Hi, I'm Lisa of Two Sober Chicks with Julie and Lisa. Welcome to another edition of our series on AA Speakers. Today's guest, Star, joins us from her home group, Sequestered Girls. Please welcome Star with her experience, strength, and hope. What I was like, what happened, and what I'm like now. Um, I was a pretty happy kid, you know, um, until some stuff happened. And then because I felt adults didn't help me and adults didn't do what they were supposed to do. And they called me a liar. Um, I said, I'll show you. And then that just started my, um, my drinking career at the age of nine. Um, you know, now that I think about it, I was <laughs> just being a regular road alcoholic at the age of nine, you know? I'll show you, you know? I'll show you a liar. I, I wasn't lying. And, um, and then also I felt let down because adults were supposed to protect me, you know? Not make me feel worse about the situation. So that started my... Uh, my drinking and my, my, my taking random pills out of people's medicine cabinets. Thank God I didn't go down that road. I stuck with the alcohol. But um, anytime I'd be at a friend's house, I'd sip on the bottles. You know, my dad always had a bottle in the freezer. Um, I'd sip on that. You know, I wasn't smart enough to try to refill it, but um, I just, on it. I do believe he knew because out of the blue he switched hard liquors and he switched to gin and I don't like gin. And um oh gosh, I remember <laughs> one Christmas Eve I was around thirteen and I wanted to open a present so badly and my mom was just so tired and she's like fine, if you stay up until midnight, you can open a present. So she made us drink peach schnapps and apple juice. Little did she know she was just getting the party started. She was not getting me tired. She got tired because she can still have a bottle of cheap wine in her refrigerator for like months. Um, she got tired and I was up at midnight and like, it's midnight, can I open that present? And I opened my present but uh, I, I always remember not an apple juice. It was a nice, sweet, sweet drink. And I may have had two cups, not just one. Um, and I always was, I was a smart, smart child, but I could never fit in. And it's funny. It's like you always hear that. And you look, I never fit in. Never fit in. It was even harder because my mom decided to take me out of the city, out of my suburb, out, I mean, out of my, you know, comfort zone and bust me to the suburbs for school and put me in a program called Metco. And they took the inner city youth to bring them to the suburbs for supposedly a better education. Well, these people moved to the suburbs to get away from my black behind. So why are you putting me back into their environment just to make them even matter? You know, um, I would get told on the playground, I'm sorry, I can't play with you. My mom said I can't play with you because you're black. Um, you know, my favorite, 
my my best friend was Mark, you know, Mark, he was my best friend because he had cerebral palsy and nobody wanted to play with him either. So me and Mark played on the field. Like I'd roll him the ball and he'd kick it and I'd be like, yay! And I'd go chase the ball and I just had so much fun with Mark because we were both the odd balls out. Um, and I was just all through all through middle, all through high school. I mean, all through elementary school and all through middle school. I just I just didn't fit in and I um drank a drink. Whenever I could find it, I was sipping on, sipping on. Oh, there's a bottle in the refrigerator. Look at that. And <laughs> that, you know, makes sense of why I, I do not drink. I would never drink from a glass. I would, I would drink from a bottle still. I was a, a bottle drinking alcoholic. I was, yeah. So, um, I don't know. In freshman year, in high school, something just slipped. Thank God, something just slipped. Um, and I, I didn't drink in high school. I didn't drink at all in high school, and I excelled. I excelled. Um, you know, I didn't go to any parties or anything because when poor I was, I was the yard ball out. I was always trying to fit in. I did a lot of, did a lot of sports. Um, I got letters and track and field. I got letters and gymnastics. I got uh, um, trophies for, you know, uh, high honors, plaque for high honors. I was on the National Honor Society. Um, I was a United Nations Youth Delegate. Uh, I got to meet President Clinton. Uh, I had the opportunity to meet him twice, but because I was such a little shit in um, high school, um, National Honor Society that came, President Clinton came to Birmingham High my senior year in 95, and um, all National Honor Society people got to sit on the stage and, you know, have a little meet and greet with him. I was like, well, I'm going to go get some Chinese food buffet with my friends, and they're like, what? This is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, young lady. Don't you know you're going to meet the president? But been there, done that. <laughs> um, so yeah, I won a, a, a essay contest, and so some of us got to go to Century Twenty One paper and present Bill Clinton with a, a large Century Twenty One pencil um, at the Marriott Hotel in Boston, and we had lunch with him in a conference room, and we sat and talked. And my mom still has the newspaper clipping, and my outfit is horrible, um, but. Um, yeah, you know, I was still a little shit, but I, I wasn't drinking and I, I excelled, you know. I, I got to do a lot of, lot of wonderful things and our principal saw potential in me and that's great. So I'm glad that he invited me to do these things. Um, but then I graduated at 16 because my mom put me in school when I was four instead of five. They pushed it year back. And then I skipped first grade because I could read and do all. My mom just taught me all this stuff. And like, I was party trained at 11 months. Like, talk about overachiever. That's why I'm an overachiever. 
<laughs> 11 months potty train. I never heard of such a thing. But um, that summer year, I remember hanging out with a friend in that step and someone had bought us 40. And I drank that 40 and I blacked out and we were running around the city of Boston having just a ball. And um, that started it up again. And I went to, I went to Mount Ida College in Newton that September at 16. And um, my sweet mates, they liked to party. They did. They, um, they liked to party. My first year, I pretty much stuck to the drinking. Um, but my second year, they introduced me to raving. And uh, I rave because I like dancing, you know? I can dance till the sun comes up. Wow. Yeah, sign me up. And then after that party's over, there's an after party. Ah, I'm there. So that introduced me to the land of designer drugs. And luckily, I was able to get out of that quickly. Um, that didn't last too long. Because from the rave scene, I went to the house scene. Because that's where I met my ex-husband. He, was a, he is a DJ. Uh, superstar DJ. Um, and when you're a DJ's wife, whew, the bartender part is very heavy for you. So let's just say there were there were a lot of drunken nights, you know. There were a lot of there were a lot of parties. There were a lot of arguments. Um, there were a lot of uh, I can't believe you said that, or I can't believe you acted like that, or yeah, I was always in trouble. Um, I was married to my ex-husband for ten years, and. Uh, you have two beautiful, beautiful children out of it. And I will say, during that first pregnancy, I did not drink. I did not drink caffeine. I did not drink alcohol. I, I cut everything just like cold turkey. Cold turkey. Uh, 23 years old now. And um, I can't say the same for my other two. Honestly, cannot say the same for my other two. But thank God they are okay. They're okay. That's that essential work. Um, I don't know how. I I I with my last one. My last one. I think about how drunk I was. I was on the schedule at noon. I go to the store. At noon, I go to the store while he was napping down the bottom of my street and get my get my nips and get my beer, my 40s. My nips in my 40s. My nips in my 40s. I never bought big bottles of uh of hard alcohol. I don't know why. I always justified nips were I wasn't an alcoholic because I didn't drink nips. It didn't matter that I drank like oh, maybe throughout the day I could drink 15 of them. And some of them were the hundred proof ones. Jeez. Uh, but um, even if I didn't have any money, they'd give me my uh, two shots and my, my 40 out. So nice of them. And I'd pay, get my credit. And then on Friday when I got the money, I'd 
paid off and bought all over again. But um, yeah, that just I I, I realize there's there's so many things back there that I just never dealt with, you know. Mainly my divorce. My divorce. We drank, drank, drank. There was a point where we were drinking between me, my ex-husband, and my half-sister. Uh, we were going through a handle in about two days. Yeah. And then my sister and I, we like to burn off ice. And so we'd get the burn off ice, we'd break it down a little bit, and then we'd pour our mitts in there. And um, that was almost every night that we'd get our burn off ice. And, you know, we were in there with our kids and you know, dancing and watching videos, having fun, cooking, and, you know, get up in the morning, send them to school, we go to work, come home, do it all over again, you know? We were functioning. I remember when I told my sister I stopped drinking, she's like, on purpose? <laughs> um, and I just realized it's my fault that she is an alcoholic. I'm seven years older than her. There was a wedding we were in. I was 22. She was not 21. I had a jug of wine under our table. We drank that jug of wine. Yeah. Yeah. And all these things come back. That's why, you know, you work your steps. Because don't be afraid to work them steps that first time. Because you're going to keep doing them over and over and over again throughout the lifetime of this program, man. That they got for this program. But um, back to my ex-husband, the superstar DJ. Um, when I was pregnant with my second child, I was working 58 hours a week. I would go to my full-time job, leave there, and then do 7 to 11 per diem at the NICU at Beth Israel. Because we needed stuff for our, our child, you know? You want to be a superstar DJ. When you're a DJ, you don't get benefits. The gigs aren't always, you know, there. Um, we needed stuff. So it was a very stressful, stressful pregnancy. And, um, you know, I would give myself pet talk, walking into the house, like, all right, star, it's going to be all right, blah, 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 it's going to be good. You know, I walk in, hey, how was your day, blah, 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 within 15 minutes for arguing. No, and, and always something that I did, you know? I was always doing something wrong. Um, no, no physical abuse, no physical abuse at all. But a lot of verbal, a lot of mental, a lot of emotional abuse. Um, and that, that, on top of my anxiety and my depression, am I already feeling that I don't fit? Am I already feeling that you, you man, you don't like me? I, I, I married a, a a man from New Hampshire, and I, I truthfully feel like you know he watched some black women on TV and was like, I want me one of those, and he got him one of those, and um, it, it just it wasn't it wasn't pleasant. Um, I became a cutter in that marriage. 
and a very heavy drinker. It's a numb feeling. Um, my son saw a lot of me being angry. My son, the oldest son, who's 23 right now, he uh, was in and out of the hospital a lot due to mental health issues, due to the environment that he was in, due to hearing all that yelling, you know? Children suffer too. Um, and then my daughter came along. And I didn't want her to see that. Like, I had to get her out of there. And luckily I did. You know, one day I bought a washer, dryer, and dishwasher for the kitchen because I was tired of grudging two kids and, and, a, and, a, and all this laundry to the laundromat. So I did something to help the whole family. When it got delivered and installed, I was like, oh, you don't need me, huh? You know what? You're right. I don't. I don't. Um, and that led me on my road to not needing my ex-husband, but I was still an alcoholic, so I was going about it a real shit. So type away. Oh, my God. <gasps> Ooh. Let's just say. I knew a lot of secret ways into the club um, because we were the, you know, the, the back way, the, the doors are unlocked and I took advantage of that. And let's just say I got banned from a lot of places. Um, yeah, I got banned from a lot of places because I would use those entrances while I was drunk and going to the club. <laughs> um, and I, just would do, I did a lot of crazy stuff. Um, but that was just me kind of dealing with this divorce. Like, I love this man, you know? I thought I was going to be married for the rest of my life. Like, and I love, I love hard, you know? And yeah. this is a girl who's had a boyfriend since she was in the sixth grade. Um, <laughs> I've never been without a boyfriend since I was in the sixth grade. That's something else that has come out in the program that I thought. Instead of my sex inventory, I did a boyfriend inventory. Um, yeah, I did a boyfriend inventory. But um, it's just, you know, when you want to fit in, you look, for, you look for a place to fit in, you know, even if it's not in the right spot. And yeah, so I got out of that marriage. I did. Luckily, I got out of it. Um, I can't say I waited a long time before I started another relationship, because like I said, <laughs> I'm a serial boyfriend ever. Um, but luckily, I did meet my husband that I have now, and he is a a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful man of God. And he's a normie. He does not drink at all. And um, I wonder sometimes why, what he saw in me, because there were many times he's, he's had to come pick me up from friends' houses because I was too drunk to take the tea home. You know? Um, he's been totally humble in the morning. You know, I was a morning vomiter. I, I, 
I work a part with her in the morning. Um, that's how I started my work day. Um, I wasn't a coffee drinker, I was a barometer. Yeah. Um, you know, he's he's seen me. <laughs> I peed on the man. I am a bedwetter, you know. I I peed on him. Um that is my I have a lot of yet. Um I've never been incarcerated. I've, I've no DUIs. Um, you know, I've got a clean driving record and a clean criminal record, but, um, I was a public urinator. I, that was my thing. That was, I could not hold it. And that liquor was running through me and I had to go, I had to go. Um, and I always say, you know, that would be, that would be just my luck. Just my luck. I'll pick up again. I won't be able to hold it. I'll, I'll be blacked out. I'll be peeing in public, and I'll get arrested, and I'll have to, I'll have to register as a sex offender because you get arrested peeing in public. That's indecent exposure. And that's level one, <laughs> level one, level three. But nevertheless, the, the least worst part is, and that's what I do. That's what I play my tape forward. I play my tape forward, and when I play my tape forward, I get arrested for public peeing. So I don't pick up that. Um, and yeah, it's a, it, this is a disease of obsession. And it's so true because not only am I obsessed with alcohol, I am also obsessed with yarn. I'm obsessed with books. I'm obsessed with paper. I'm obsessed with pins. I'm obsessed with uh, a lot of different things, you know? And when I go into and I'm into something, I go all out, like all to the walls, man. Just like an alcoholic, just like my alcoholism. Um, yeah. My last drunk. Whew, my last drunk was February 28th, 2021. And um, I was doing my dad's taxes. And prior to him getting his taxes, he stopped at the store and he grabbed a bottle of 1800 By the time his taxes were done, uh, let's see, he picked us up at 11 a.m. His taxes got done probably at 10 p.m. And the bottle was finished. Um, he left his house probably around 11. I didn't get home till 11.30. My husband was like, he totally forgot about us. You know, look in his face. It's totally devastating. We, now, never before, ever, ever before, have I thought of myself as an alcoholic until he said, this is the type of stuff my dad used to do. He is the child of an alcoholic. His father was an alcoholic. And here I am doing it to him again. How freaking selfish of me. How selfish of me. So uh, I called my doctor and I told her that I, I, I can't do this anymore. I'm, I'm tired of it. She had no idea. No idea. And she was like, I'm so happy that you called and did job reaching out. 
put me on some medicine as you put me in a program. Oh, bad. Outpatient-based addiction treatment. And um, I would do check-ins with them. And at every check-in, they would say, have you thought about AA? No, I haven't thought about AA. Why? Because it's a, that's a Christian program. And mind you, I had just taken my shahada five years ago, and I'm a practicing Muslim who is not supposed to be drinking, by the way, which was a hard feat to hide because I always had to make sure I had my hoodie to sneak into the liquor store. You know, the only people I drink around was my family. But that worked. I was a good practicing Muslim, you know, at work parties. I was a good practicing Muslim at, uh, yeah, but you sure on the way home from that work party, I was stopping and getting that shot. Um, but so I called my doctor. They were always asking about AA. I don't know. But they did have a, a little a group, that the online group that they had on Monday. So I would go to the online group. Then I got tired of being the only person on that online group, not really talking about alcoholism, talking about gardening, although I stepped over. Um, and I was still drinking. Not every once in a while, I'd get a nip and I'd be like, I got a nip. And I would tell my husband, I had a nip. You know, I wasn't trying to hide it, um, but it wasn't a, a binge type of thing. And then on... Um, On 10, 9, I went and got a tattoo. Across the street was the liquor store planters. I got a buzz ball. I sat at the train station. I drank the buzz ball. And I had no buzz. <laughs> that was a waste of my money. Uh, and I threw it away. Then a couple of weeks later, I download this app, Sober Sidekick, and I, you know, put in the date. When was your last drink? They asked, and I put in 10-9, so I got my sober date 10-10. And in the margin title menu, it said live 24-hour meeting clicked on it and all these squares popped up and people were talking they were saying weird things but in fact in the middle of those weird things that they were saying was story and I'm like how do these people know what's in my head and then these numbers started coming in the chat and I'm like why are these people sending me to get their numbers in the chat and that was AA home group. And they said, keep coming back. So I did. I kept going back. And they said, if you have over 30 days of sobriety, sign up to service. So I did. Because they said, service is a great way to stay sober. So I did a lot, a lot of service. I need a lot of service. And I would hear 90 and 90. <laughs> Due to this Zoom thing, man, I did way over 90 and 90, you know? And like, 
but that first bit, all I could do is eat, sleep, go to work, go to an eating, shower repeat. <laughs> so I, uh, I really, really, really like dove into AA home group service like a true alcoholic because like when I go for something and I'm into something, I go for it hard. And um, yeah, so I was doing a lot of service. And, you know, every group has its, every group has its issues. It, it's going to be everywhere. And because I was in the beginning of my sobriety, um, I had, still had my porcupine quills in me. I hadn't gotten my duck feathers yet. Let that stuff slide right off. Um, some comments were made, and I, I took it very personally, and I removed myself from service. Um, I haven't done any service on AHA home groups since October last year. Um, but uh, I, I was doing service a lot there, and I was doing service on the Zoo crew. And um, one day, I, I want to say around six months, maybe a little before six months, I had never sat and thought, huh. someone asked me the question, you know, I'm just having a really hard time with the sobriety thing. I'm wondering how you're doing it, working full time, being a mom, being a wife, and focusing on sobriety. And I said, I never thought about it. And I thought about it. And I called my doctor right away. <laughs> and I took a three weeks from work to focus on my sobriety and my you know and my family and uh yeah and that's that was one of the best things that I ever did you know taking that time out to focus on myself because I, I I needed it you know and during that time I did tons of service lots and lots of service it was, it was good the service is a wonderful way to stay sober um it's a way to give back. And I met some wonderful, wonderful people um, doing service and in these, these rooms and in these squares. I just recently was able to meet someone in person and we only take two people to have a meeting. So we looked out, out our Everything AA app and we had our first meeting at Dunkin' Donuts. But, um, you know, I jumped into AA and I... Uh, it got my family. It was so so supportive of me at the beginning because, like I said, I slept. I slept a lot, um, and I did a lot of meetings. And my children were in these meetings with me, especially my youngest. My youngest would be like, "Are you gonna do a meeting?" And he'd sit in the meetings with me. And you know, I, I, I he is one of my tools, you know, because since I've been drinking since the age of nine, and I am what. 17 months sober emotionally I am what 11 years old and seven months no 10 years old and seven months 10 years old and seven months my youngest is going to be 11 on Wednesday so emotionally he's two kids older than me and he actually told me he wished I didn't hold breakfast yeah so I'm working on that I got dropped the rock you know I've done all I've done my stuff um but I'm working on a uh, over and over and over again. So right now I'm working on six and seven because I can hold a breath. 
been holding a grudge to, uh, against Paul's care since I was pregnant with him, since I was pregnant with my oldest son, who is now 23, because when he first came to Boston back in 99, I was doing uh, the door at a, taking money at the door at a nightclub and uh, touched my stomach. I know you. How dare you touch my stomach? But, um, but yeah, I did. I, 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 I did. Do, uh, I did a slap on him and I we tore it up. And, and we... <laughs> so now every time I think of Paul Pierce, I'm to think of the good things that he did while he was in Boston because he did do some good things for schools while he was in Boston. But um, yeah, thanks to my 10 year old who is now part of my school. Uh, I take his emotional emotional support and like his emotional guidance um, but yeah working with that I have a sponsor yes who has a sponsor who has a sponsor you know um I'm a rule follower so I um you know I know these are just suggestions but I, I, I took my steps seriously and um I take what's suggested to me seriously, you know. Um, I tried the whole no no relationships in the first thirty years, thirty thirteen months, but uh, my husband wasn't trying to hear that. But just <laughs> um, But I am just thankful for this program because because of this program, I actually feel comfortable in my own skin for the first time you know I just turned 45 and I've never felt comfortable in my own skin you know and um progress not perfection helps a lot because I've always had to be perfect and that's stressful stressful and tiring and nothing's ever going to be perfect nothing and I, I, I'm glad that I have now come to that conclusion. Thank God. Thank you, this program. Thank you, Big Book. Um, I've always liked reading. And when they told me about this Big Book, I think God is good. I found it in a book box. I always get my books from book boxes. So I found my first Big Book in a, big, big, in a book box. And just that weekend, we were taking a little family quick trip to Rhode Island on a commuter rail, staying for the long weekend, and then coming right back. Now, I didn't know <laughs> that the big book was a textbook. I thought it was a novel. So I read that novel <laughs> over the weekend, but that novel had great information for me. And that novel let me know that I was an alcoholic that weekend. So uh, then I got back, and I was told that it was not a novel. It was the wonderful textbook that I read every day, even if it's just a little tiny snippet of it, it gives me a little, little knowledge, a little something to think about, a little start to my day, a little foundation of where I'm going. Um, you know, at first when you come into these meetings and you hear the same thing over and over and over again, at first you're like, ah, I want to hear it. You know, and all these little little slogans and and sayings, and uh, I I like my slogans and my sayings. Uh, they're, they're like bad dad jokes, and I love bad dad jokes. Um, 
But um, in the grapevine, I really like the grapevine. I just started, I uh, just signed up to be uh, the grapevine rep for my in-person meeting and waiting for my, uh, my starter pack. Um, like I said, when I dive in, I dive in. Um, <laughs> oh boy, yeah, I um, the first thing that I actually fell in love with in AA was the daily retreat, contingent and the maintenance of my spiritual condition. That one little sentence, daily retreat. Yes. The second thing I fell in love with, AA, was how it works. How it works. Ooh, really have we seen the perfect feel. She has early fall. And then I fell in love with the promises. Oh my goodness. The promises. The ninth step promises. I know every step has the promises, but those ninth step promises, that's my skills and my jam. Because it's true. If we work our program, those promises will continue to come through for you. They will. They really will. Um, just this December, I moved into my first home ever. Um, you know, I was always, why don't I have a house? I work hard. You know, why don't I have this? I get blah. I deserve it. Blah, blah, blah. God knew I wasn't ready for it. God knew I wasn't ready for it. My child, I'll, I'll give you that hand when you are ready to be belted. And um, I guess he thought I was ready now. Uh, this is a dry house. And I have the pleasure of living with my mother-in-law. A, I love that lady. I am blessed to have a mother-in-law that I could say I love and she loves me. You know, he doesn't drink. My husband, he doesn't drink. You know, this is a dry house. I, I don't drink. Yay. Um, and I'm happy. I, I'm, I'm so happy. I am, I'm content. You know, I have little reminders around my, I have a little plaque on my desk that says, I have everything that I need right now. I do. I have everything I need right now. I got sobriety. I have a roof over my head. I have food to put on my, in my mouth. I have clothes on my back. I have a loving family. I have a job. I don't, I don't, I'm breathing. I don't need anything else. And I have to tell myself that often. Um, I don't need anything else, you know? It's another addiction that I have to work on. Why am I buying flat tickets? For what? To win the big lottery? For what? I don't need anything else. To win the big lottery, you'll be broken within a year. That's how the story goes. So, um, since I'm not drinking, Ramadan is on, on, you know, Wednesday. It starts on Wednesday at sundown. And usually, those were the only 30 days that I did not drink, you know? Those were the only 30 days that I did not drink. It was a rough 30 days for me. <laughs> but I'll tell you, at sundown, on, it, I was going to get that drink on that, that 30 days. Um, but this year, since I'm not drinking for Eid, I mean, for Ramadan, I'm going to try to go ahead and give up that ticket. So hopefully on day 31, I can continue to give it up. 
um, since I am not medically able to fast, um, I usually try to go ahead and give up something to better myself, because that's what Ramadan is all about, 30 days of bettering yourself. Um, and I'm just so happy that I am now giving it to God. And, and you know, my, my God, it was always a loving God. And I just never turned to him to help me remove this obsession. Um, I remember praying, please remove it, please remove it. And I was praying, remove it. And I was like, it's gone. It's when did it leave? And I don't even remember when it left, but thank you, God, you know? And now I pray to please continue to keep it gone. Please keep it removed from me. Please keep it away from me. Um, people see the change. My kids, my husband, you know? He's, um, I, I, I can't get so upset because he's so clingy sometimes because he's just happy to have me back. He's happy to have me back, you know? I, I had built up a wall, and now this wall needs to come down, you know? I'm still dealing with a lot. I still have a lot to deal with. PTSD, anxiety, depression. Um, but it's one day at a time, just like the alcoholics, you know? I have to remember to take my medicine. Progress, not perfection. I remember... I, <laughs> My daughter had COVID. I had to work at home and I forgot my medicine and my desk. And it was a horrible week for me. And then two weeks ago, I left it in the desk again. So over the weekend, I didn't have my medicine. So what did I do? I get a pill box and I fill the pill box. So I have it here in case I could get it at the job. I have the medicine here and medicine at the job. Progress. You know, these little things of self-care that we didn't think of before. Um, I'm getting deep tissue massages once a month to help with my physical therapy that I'm doing with my hips and my arthritis. Um, I'm making these appointments. I'm not a no-call, no-show. Um, I, I wake up early, you know, ready to go and happy, not, oh dragging myself to work, not showered. I shower in the morning, um, you know, I, I, I make breakfast. I'm not a monster yelling at my children in the morning, dragging them out of bed to clean my kitchen. How dare they leave my kitchen? I'm not a drunken monster to my family anymore. And it's a blessing. It's a blessing to also see them grow. Um, no, my first year, uh, uh, in my in-person, uh, one of the old-timers wrote in book, congratulations, now give it back. <laughs> yes, give it back. Giving back, it helps you stay sober. That's part of the triangle. Recovery, unity, and service. Service, service back I can't it, and it helps you it helps you stay sober um I uh this is definitely a program of attraction and not promotion 
because I have three sponsees. Five minutes, think. I have three sponsees, and all three of them have more time than me. And they asked me if I could do this. And I <laughs> so odd, like what they saw something in me that they wanted, you know? And like, yeah, yes, yes. And they do. They call me. They they call. They check in. We're working steps again, again and again. Um, and I just find that odd, you know? But this program of attraction and not promotion. And I'm happy that they were able to reach out to me. And I'm, I'm happy that I was receptive of it. Um, this year is my second year of being a basketball mom. And both years were sober. And um, I'm, a, I'm a positive basketball mom as I'm not yelling at my son from the sidelines like you should have done that or do this or you know don't trouble in the corner or to cover your man or blah 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 or move up closer I'm a very encouraging you know even if they lose it was a good game you know they they the semifinals were yesterday and they lost by two points and overtime it was they cried, but it was it's understandable. It was a good season. It was a good game. And um, I just think of, and I was still drinking. I know what my routine would be, okay? I would drop them off. I'd go to the liquor store. I'd get my nip. I'd drink a few on the way to back to the gym. Then I'd go sit. Spend about half time. I'd go to the bathroom, take a couple more nips. And then I go, now what would come out of my mouth during those games? I would have no clue. I would have no clue. And I wouldn't remember. And then just think every Saturday, I'd be going back doing the same thing over and over and over again, embarrassing my child, embarrassing myself. Mm. I'm so happy I'm sober. I'm so happy I could be a sober basketball mom. I'm happy that I don't smell like alcohol because as my son was coming out to the gym of one game, he was like, oh, I was like, what's going on? He's like, someone smells like alcohol. And I was like, oh, I was like, is that what I used to smell like? And he's like, I didn't realize it. I thought that's just what you should, what you should smell like. Wow. That was my, that was my perfume, guys. My little guy thought that that was my perfume. Eau de alcohol. Yeah. So I'm just so glad that I don't I don't think anymore. Thank God for this program. Thank God for my higher power. Thank God for my fellows, my sponsor, all of my sober support. You know, all of you squares. I'm happy I didn't leave before the miracle happened. A friend of mine asked, oh, are you done with that drinking program that you were, did you graduate? I'm like, honey, I'm not going to graduate. It's a lifetime, lifetime thing. It's not a class, it's a lifestyle. And this is a lifestyle I plan on, plan on living. Yeah, I want to be very sober. And only alcohol I want in my body is 
the alcohol that's put in me after I'm dead in the formaldehyde method. But um, yeah, thank you guys so much for letting me come on here and share my experience and hope. Scar, we love you. Thanks for joining us today at a Solution Seekers Beginners Meeting and our podcast series from AA Speakers on Two Sober Chicks. We hope that you have a great 24 hours ahead. See you next time.